Hello and welcome to Yudcast, episode 93. This is Head of School Dan Glass with you once again, recording live in the Sound Lab here at the Brandeis School of San Francisco. 93 is an auspicious number uh, in my life because 1993 is considered by some to be uh, the pinnacle of uh, the what, what's sometimes referred to as the second golden era of rap music. Many amazing albums uh, came out in 1993. Um, from uh, Biggie's Ready to Die to Nas's Illmatic, uh, Enter the 36 Chambers, the Wu-Tang Clan's first album. Uh, lots of great music from 1993 that is still a big part of the soundscape of my life to this day. If you have not recently listened to a rap album from 1993, do yourselves a favor and uh, pull one off the record shelf and give it a spin. We are going to break form this morning, and rather than starting with a poem, we're going to end with a poem. Um, The Yudcast this week uh, is inspired by um, uh, by awe. Um, uh, uh, Last week, Sandy Bisson, uh, maker, educator, and curriculum designer here at the Brandeis School of San Francisco, shared an article uh, with me and with um, Mr. Nicholas Cole Farrell, who's our director of technology and making, about uh, the title of the article is Why Scientists Say Experiencing Awe Can Help You Live Your Best Life. Um, Really interesting article um, about what actually happens to us uh, emotionally, cognitively, when uh, when we experience awe, uh, when we have uh, uh, that moment um, uh, of sort of the, uh, engaging with the vastness uh, of the world. Um, uh, it, so um, this article is sharing the work of psychologists, um, uh, n- neurologists and um, neuroscientists. Is that a word? Yeah, neuroscientists. Um, and they're thinking about awe as the emotion we feel in response to something vast that defies our existing frame of reference in one area or another. Um, and that often that experience of vastness can lead us to change our perception of that frame of reference. Um, and it, it sort of inherently uh, uh, causes us to shift our understanding of the world. Um, uh, and so one important piece of that is that awe is often about feeling small, um, feeling what they describe um, as a sense of self-diminishment. So when you're standing... Uh, on the rim of the Grand Canyon, when you're standing at the base uh, of a giant sequoia or redwood tree and looking up, uh, when you have the good fortune to be um, out far away from the city uh, at night and you can lie out under the stars and and watch the vastness of the universe spread out before you, um, uh, you have an experience of... um, the hugeness of the world, the hugeness of uh, of human existence, 
um, and you and you shift from a more sort of egocentric view of the world um, to a, a sense of being a small piece of something larger. Um, and what's interesting is that f the folks who have been studying this, uh, um, it helps people um, consider other people, um, to helps people have actually a sense of um, empathy, a sense of humility. Um, and uh, so the reason Sandy shared this article is not just because all of this is fascinating and because, yes, in fact, it is good for us to experience awe, but also because um, the notion of awe is actually central to what maker education at Brandeis looks like. When we um, created the Create and Build Spaces, each of those is an acronym. And most of the words in the, those two acronyms are drawn from the world of tinkering and maker education, things like uh, reflection, creativity, entrepreneurship, those kinds of things. Uh, but the A in create, um, in that word create, it stands for awe. Um, and we first took that, that idea of awe from the work of um, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. Um, and uh, he has a quote about um, awe uh, helping us realize that life takes place under wide horizons, horizons that go beyond the span uh, of an individual life or an individual um, experience. And that's precisely what these uh, neuroscientists and psychologists are studying here. Of course, you know, he's linking it to, uh, to the study of Torah, uh, to the, uh, the various kinds of obligations um, in the Jewish tradition to, um, to engage with the broader world, to repair the world. Um, and so it's exciting to see uh, this work around awe on the scientific side of things. It's very affirming. Um, and when we work on ethical creativity, which uh, is our approach to design thinking that embeds Jewish ethics in both the process and the outcomes of design thinking, we put awe uh, and sort of awe and wonder together front and center as actually the first act uh, that a designer engages in, that we want people to to broaden uh, their thinking and really s expand out to make sure that they're asking the right questions. Um, and if you go to the Brandeis website and look for the word of the week, you can find in it um, both the um, our graphic representation of the ethical creativity process as well as a link to this article uh, that I am talking about. And I have to say, it's always exciting for us when we encounter the work of scientists who are studying the same kinds of things that are embedded in the work we do here at Brandeis. The same was very much true when, we, when I encountered the work of Dr. Lisa Miller at Columbia University, who studies uh, spirituality and spiritual development in children. Um, and so anyway, we're going to be following this research on awe as it unfolds. And in fact, there's at least one local person involved in the work, Dr. Craig Anderson at UCSF. So uh, dear listeners, if you know Craig Anderson, put me in touch with him because uh, I'm curious about what he's looking at uh, in, in the field of uh, studying awe. I started my day uh, being awestruck um, in another way. Um, 
in the the work uh, the poet Adrian Rich. So um, you guys know that I have made one of my goals in 2019 to do more reading of the work of women of color. Um, but I was in uh, a bookshop recently, the West Portal Bookshop, and saw um, a reprint of Adrian Rich's debut collection from 1951, which is called A Change of World. I've known of this book before. I've seen pieces of it included in some of her collected poems. Um, it, it's very much from before the, the set of work that really um, made her a household name in the world of poetry to the extent anyone in the world of poetry is a household name before her work on uh, the uh, sort of feminist um, and lesbian poetics. Um, and this, uh, so I picked it up um, while I was there and it's a really interesting um, collection. The poems are much more uh, kind of decorous much more formally dexterous in some ways or formally rigorous. Um, uh, and I, they're really, they are exquisite. I mean, all the, the power of voice, um, the, all the, uh, the strength of vocabulary, the strength of purpose that really um, has made me love her work as a poet in general um, is very much present. Uh, in these poems as well. And so I read this poem, Vertigo, this morning, and it just was so relevant to this question of awe that it seemed a perfect accompaniment to this year, this week's Yudcast. And uh, so I'm going to end with it. This is the poem, Vertigo. As for me, I distrust the commonplace. Demand and am receiving marvels, signs, miracles wrought in air, acted in space after imagination's own designs. The lion and the tiger pace this way, as often as I call. The flight of wings surprises empty air, while out of clay the golden-gorded vine unwatered springs. I have inhaled impossibility. And walk at such an angle, all the stars have hung their carnival chains of light for me. There is a streetcar runs from here to Mars. I shall be seeing you, my darling, there, or at the burning bush in Harvard Square. And with that, I wish you all weekends full of marvels, my friends. I will be seeing you there or at the burning bush, wherever it may be. Shabbat Shalom to all of you listening on Shabbat. We'll be back with you here on the Yudcast next week.